is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. And we're welcoming back Mr. Jamie Eisenberg, who is going to tell us all about Super Bowl 52. He was in Minneapolis. We look forward to hearing about it. 41-33, the final score. Eagles win the Super Bowl. And it was an awesome game. Unlike last year's stink fest. Welcome to fantasy football today. <laughs> Everybody, we got Heath, we got Dave, we got Jamie, I'm Adam. Alright, Jamie, how was it? How was the Super Bowl? It was amazing. Um, I, I've been fortunate to see live, uh, two of the more exciting Super Bowls, uh, in the last 20 years. The, uh, Titans Rams was the first one, and this one was, uh, was right up there. So it was, it was exceptional. Um, you know, it's always fun when there's one punt between two teams. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, obviously not a lot of turnovers. And so it was, it was great offensive, uh, play on both sides of, of the ball. And the experience itself was just, you know, simply amazing. Um, as I'm sure you can imagine. And Heath, Dave, how are your Super Bowl parties? I sat at home and watched the game with my family. We had fajitas. Ooh, nice. I ate dozens of wings and, uh, tried to, to, uh, have a, a beverage with each wing. So it was, <laughs> it was a good time. Alright, yeah, well it was fun. It was a really, really awesome Super Bowl. What was the, uh, the fan split, Jamie? You know, so I did a, a walk around the concourse, um, when I first got there, which was about four hours before the game, and somebody pointed out, which, uh, I didn't really give much consideration to, not a lot of tailgating, you know, because of the weather oh, yeah, and, yeah. and the security. So the, the stadium was packed early, and it was, it felt like 70-30 Eagles. But by I think the time the game kicked off, I'd say it's closer to 60-40. But it was definitely a, a, a you know, predominantly Eagles crowd. Okay, important questions. Yes. Everybody can answer. Was Corey, did was that a touchdown? The Corey Clement catch was that a touchdown? Yes. Yes. It was because it's been ruled one. But had that happened in week seven of this season in a regular game, no, I don't think it is. Do you think it was conclusive that his foot was out of bounds? Yes, I think it was. That it last was foot, yeah. ruled a touchdown. Uh, before the foot went out of bounds, so that was the first foot he had down when he had the ball. So I, I don't think they could. have. But uh, did he have possession? Of I don't think they could have overturned it after calling it a touchdown because I don't think they had enough uh, evidence. That's, I, that's how I feel. I expect a change uh, in the interpretation of the catch oh, yeah. rule, and more things will be catches next year. And then, like, yeah. what, what was up with the Earth's catch? That was so obviously a catch. Like, how that, that was just, I think, a poor do- job by Collinsworth and, and Michaels on calling that there. So. But even t- taking that long on the replay review, like that was so obviously a catch. He had that ball. Yeah, for, I, way I think too part long. of it. First off, Mike Tomlin's on the competition committee, so he's going to, I'm sure, have a say in how catches are determined after what happened to his team. Um, but he was a runner at that point. He he, he yes. had made a football move. He yes. was going toward the end zone. I, I was shocked that they even had the replay. The Jesse, J- I went back. I watched the Jesse James replay again. He dropped it. He dropped it. He didn't make a football move. I don't think he dropped it. He just didn't make a football move. But the fact that it was over the goal line, which is, you know, we see, you know, running backs do that all the time when they extend the ball. That I think is where you have to make a, a, a difference between the goal line and the field of play. Yeah, I know, but, but he, but Jesse James, that ball came loose when he went to the ground and he had not made a football move at that point. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he dropped Well, that's the difference between it. the Ertz touchdown and the James touchdown. I would guess the James touchdown will be a touchdown from this point. So forward. you think just as long as the ball crosses the plane and it's in somebody's hand, 
it's a touchdown. I think Which is kind of how it is when a running back dives. I think the dives. whole going to the ground thing is probably going to be reinterpreted. Yeah, I agree. I think so. It's just gotten a little too crazy. Anyway, um, okay. Jamie is, has asked me to make a public apology for That's doubting, right. for doubting David. And I don't know. Uh, Heath, you like Corey Clement too, I think, right? Based on the DFS I podcast. was lukewarm. Okay. Um, Dave and Mike McClure were the guys that were really uh, more excited about him than I was. So. And Jamie liked him too, and I was like, no, he's got 16 catches in 18 games this season. Like, I know he had five against the Falcons, but he typically doesn't do anything. So, no, it's a terrible call. So here I am publicly apologizing. Corey Clement led the Eagles in receiving. He had four catches for 100 yards and a touchdown on five targets. That means he finished the season with 20 catches. 20 catches Wait. and four of them, and, and he had like double, he had basically like his entire season's worth of yards in, in this game. Not quite that much, but, um, he had not had more than 31 yards receiving in any game. He had 100 in this game. I also got, I got several tweets in the Super Bowl from, I guess, you know, people listen to our show that said, oh, you called Corey Kamen having a great game. I said, no, didn't expect that. Right. By yeah, far, did not expect that. Hard, that was, that was certainly above and beyond what uh, I, I You didn't expect him to average 25 yards per catch? <laughs> uh, I thought it would be 24, so it was a little bit off, but, um, you know. Speaking of several tweets we got, like, that's not the only apology to someone on the Eagles that you owe. Who do I owe an apology to? The Super Bowl MVP. I didn't, I didn't say he was bad. I just said he's not as good as Carson Wentz. You, you said, he, let's go back and check the tape on all the things you said about Nick Foles this season. Uh, I'm sure what I said about Nick Foles is, I don't even remember, but I know how I felt about Nick Foles. I'm pretty sure everybody felt that way about Nick Foles. Oh, no. Because no, there were like, certainly people that thought that there wasn't much of a drop-off between Carson Wentz oh, and Nick Oh, when Foles. did you think that? After the Raiders game? After the Cowboys game? Or after the Falcons game when they changed the offense for him during their bye week? I think I, I felt that when I said it on the podcast. When did you say that? You as said it. Carson Wentz got hurt. He did. Oh, fine. No, you did. And you're wrong. But that doesn't and you're mean still that wrong. That doesn't mean that they're interchangeable. He was going to win I the see, MVP. I still would rather have Carson Wentz. It means Doug Peterson's a hell of a coach. It does That's mean that it Doug Peterson. more yeah. than anything else. And, uh, and Foles isn't a total piece of trash. He's he was actually very good his last two games. Well, let's see if they can, if, if he you know well we don't know where he's going to be. But look, I'll he, say where he's going to be. I would guess Philadelphia. That's my guess too. Could be, yeah. But uh, all right, it's not even worth arguing back because he, he probably won't be a starting quarterback next year. But um, all right, any final thoughts on the Super Bowl? If you had told me Tom Brady was going to throw for 505 yards and three touchdowns without an interception, I don't know if I would have been so ready to take the Eagles to win the game. That, <laughs> yeah, that no. he he had an incredible game. Both teams did. It sure. Just, it was just, just bad defense. But the, he had 505 yards without Brandon Cooks. Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't have Malcolm Butler, which was probably a bigger issue. Well, that's a part of the reason why they lost. But I think if Malcolm Butler plays, it doesn't change anything. They picked Foles. on Eric Rowe the entire first half. The entire first half. Alshon Jeffries touchdown game on Eric Rowe. He couldn't defend anybody in the first quarter. It was a stupid, stupid decision on, on the Patriots part, unless he did something so egregious that they're It had to have been. If, yeah. if it is what it, what they're saying it is, then it's dumb, it's not. dumb, dumb. It's not. There's like, I can't imagine. It can't be, right? It can't be. He's so, if, if it's for performance reasons, Malcolm Butler is, is much better then than- Then why did he practice right? with the starters all week if it was for performance reasons? It wasn't, I, yeah, I don't think it was performance reasons. There's, there's no, not. There's no it's way. Absolutely not. That's pretty wild. That is pretty wild. Okay. I'm not saying they win the game, but it certainly makes their defense better. It was an awesome Super Bowl. It's really hard to know what like the best Super Bowl has been lately. When, when I was, you know, in the 90s when I was growing up, 
and you guys were a little more grown up, every Super Bowl sucked, right? I mean, the Cowboys Super Bowls were bad. The 49ers Chargers was like the worst Super Bowl ever. We just had bad Super Bowl after bad Super Bowl, and now we have a good one almost every year. I was talking to, to Pete Prisco about this because he's covered 29 of them. Um, and, you know, I said, is this, is this the best one? And he's like, is this better than last year's? I know yes. you'll say yes, but, um, uh, you know, you, you can make certainly an argument for it. You can make an argument for Patriot Seahawks, you know, being the best, any of the Giants Patriots ones, you know, the, the last two at least, uh, be, being the best. Um, I think that, that Rams Titans game, you know, kind of is, is to me where the, the tide turned a little bit, where the games got competitive from kind of that point forward. Yep. So it's, it, it's, it's in the conversation as, as one of the best Super Bowls. Cardinal ever. Steelers. Great game. Steelers. Yeah. I think if this game had a more, an even more climactic ending, it would have been the best ever because it was so much fun mm-hmm. for three and a half quarters. And then it was a little slow after the Brady sack fumble. That was a two minutes left. I know. Yeah, but no, that's <laughs> but, the thing. I mean, that, that's... Like, but, but part of what makes the Super right. Bowl great, I think, has to be, you know, that great ending. Right. Inside of two minutes, inside of one minute, down to the wire. Right, you're right. If, like, okay, it, it, that would have been hands down. Like, that's you what know, it needed, right. It might have been the, it might have been hands down the best Super Bowl ever if they had scored and then missed the two point conversion or, or made it and gone to overtime or something. Like, what that was the, the only thing it was fumble, missing. What if the sack fumble happened deep in Philly territory with 30 seconds left? Right, that also would have been That, incredible. I think, would have yeah. put the icing on the cake. Okay, well, let's move on. I want to tell you that Tom Brady led the NFL in passing with 4,577 yards, the fewest total of passing yards to lead the NFL since 2006. How about that? Mm-hmm. A decade. And it's only the second time that Brady has uh, led the NFL in passing. He's He's overrated. Uh, but I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, uh, passing down was here. down across the board this year. Yeah, it was down to decade low levels. But it was back in the Super Bowl. It was. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that three very good quarterbacks got hurt and missed a lot of time, and there were a lot of teams with really bad quarterbacks. Yeah, like like the Eagles for those last two games of the regular season. Uh, Detroit. <laughs> bad games. Detroit hired Matt Patricia. They're keeping offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter. There was Good. some talk about whether or not Josh McDaniels is going to stay with the Patriots. Reports indicate he is not. He will go to the Colts. And uh, that game, by the way, the Super Bowl set a record for most total yards in any game in NFL history. It was the most total yards in the third quarter. It was the most passing yards by quarterbacks in the first quarter. I mean, it yeah. was it was ridiculous. It was a bonanza. It was a bonanza. How Except you jinxed the kickers. You bonanza the kickers. I did, that actually met both had pretty good games. But, uh, that's actually kind of funny. You nearly won the, um, the playoff challenge that we did. I did? Your, I didn't even your strategy, look. your strategy almost pulled off. What, who, you won? I won by eight points, yes. Over me? Over you. Damn it! <laughs> Stupid Vikings. Alright, hey listen. I you had to... Vikings in there? No, not at the end, but if I, if they had won, then I well, would. Who did you start, who did you go with the first round where you didn't play anybody? I had Kareem Hunt. And, uh, I don't know, Jaguars. But you went, you went all Patriots. Oh, right? Michael Thomas. I had Kareem Hunt, Michael Thomas, and oh, the here, rest. Look at the rest were, went, um, the rest were Patriots and Vikings. Oh, okay. So had you not gone with the see what happened? What I did was with the, uh, with the Jaguars. That's what helped me. Ah, yeah, right, exactly. Okay, guys. Um, look, I haven't been to a game in a long time. It's time to change that. Time to get out of the house, even though it's cold. Get to the stadium, and when I go, I'm using. You don't SeatGeek. know cold. <laughs> that is true. 
<laughs> All right, more on that in a minute. But I'm using SeatGeek. I always use SeatGeek for tickets, and I always tell people to download the SeatGeek app and use our promo code FFT. Use the code FFT. You get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. 20 bucks. Really, really good deal. It doesn't have to be a game either. It could be a concert. Could be comedy, theater. SeatGeek's gonna find you the best deals on tickets to any of those events. How do they do that? By searching multiple ticket sites. It's all about competition, right? And SeatGeek brings in the results, compares the prices, finds amazing deals, gives every ticket a grade based on value, makes it really easy to see the best bargains. And every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I really do use it all the time. I really recommend it all the time. So everybody just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FFT. That's promo code FFT for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. So you're pretty cold up there? Uh, that, that's an understatement. Um, the, uh, it wasn't, I, I don't think it was as bad as, I, you know, probably a lot of the social media stuff you read from a lot of media members. Um, because we weren't really outside that much. The walk from the security entrance to the stadium, she had to go, we got lucky because we didn't really have a line on our bus going to, you know, waiting outside for security. But the walk from security to, the stadium was the coldest thing I've ever experienced in my life because it was just like a wind tunnel uh, in negative two degree weather. Did you have were proper you, were attire? Were you Jamie Eisenberg? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well, did you have like gloves and one of those masks that covers your whole face? I I, only, I had gloves um, I, and and a winter coat, but that was uh, that was the extent of like you know and you know, it was you know layered, but not like. Um, Wrapped in a parka. Like about, Jason Lockenfora was in a parka. What about your ears? What about your poor ears? Um, I did not realize that that was going to be the case. So oh, my poor ears were, were ears are, freezing. Yeah, ears are key. You gotta, you gotta yeah. cover those puppies up. We had two, two members of our staff, uh, do this challenge for Gatorade where they went outside and worked out in a field and it was to test, uh, like your core temperature in freezing cold weather. And they were so cold and the temperature got to a point where Gatorade had to cancel it. <laughs> oh man. That's how cold it was. No more, no more cold weather Super Bowls, even if the game's inside. Yeah, but I, I think you know, just to we, we talked about this a little bit the other day. Radio Row was was a lot of fun. Um, I, I talked to some more people on Friday after we did our show. Uh huh. Um. Which, oh, I, I forgot to ask you, Jamie. Uh, this is much more interesting to me. I'm sorry. Did you see those two radio personalities fight? Did you witness it? No, that was uh before I got there. That was a morning show from uh, Houston. Damn. <laughs> um. So I, I I saw it. I I saw them throughout the day, but I did not see the fight. Okay. Who was your the favorite? Interview you did, your favorite interview that you did. Uh, one of our producers said the best guy that I will speak to in this scenario will be Le'Veon Bell and he did not disappoint oh, whatsoever. Yeah? Um, I asked Le'Veon, you know, specifically for our purpose. I said, Le'Veon, you know, we're, uh, I, I deal with fantasy football. Um, a lot of people obviously are concerned about your situation next year. Can you look into the camera and tell everybody that you will not be retiring and that you'll be playing at the start of the 2018 season? You not sit out the 2018 season. And he said, I can't do that. I was like, no! <laughs> oh, no. Could ask Gronk that too. He would have given you the same answer, apparently. Uh, they don't show up on Radio Row. So. Yeah, no, I, I'm just, no. Uh, speaking, speaking of that, so, I, um, I, after the game, I was, you know, running around, uh, I wrote two stories, one on Brandon Graham, one on the Patriots receivers. And so, I went to the Patriots interview room first, just because I figured the Eagles take a little bit longer with us celebrating. And, I heard the first part of Gronk's answer, when somebody said, there's, a, there's somebody said you, something about you retiring next year. And he said, I don't know where you heard that from. And I walked away at that point. And then that's where he said, I haven't made a decision yet. And I was oh. like, 
Uh, I probably should have hung around <laughs> a few more seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, I think that uh, that about covers it for the Super Bowl. Yeah, let's get let's get 2018 started. So we did intriguing off-season players last episode or whatever the heck it was, uh, two episodes ago for the AFC East and the NFC East. Let's do it for the AFC North and the NFC North today. And let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Heath, give me uh, the most interesting off-season player for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I think maybe it's Le'Veon Bell. You think it so? would be interesting if he signed a contract or if he held out or if he ended up on a different team. Like there are a variety of things that could happen with him. I wonder though, and probably the most likely is that Pittsburgh calls his bluff. And if that happens and we get to August, September and he's making no commitment to playing football, his ADP is going to be really interesting. Yeah, well, let's hope that doesn't happen. Well, so he, I, I talked to him at the Pro Bowl, um, as well, and, you know, I asked him about this at, at Radio Rose also. You know, he said that he thinks they're gonna come to an agreement and have a contract done. Uh, you know, I, I think the whole thing with him, you know, not, not guaranteeing that he'll, he'll, won't retire, won't sit out was just more of not giving up his leverage, if he thinks that's gonna give him any leverage. Um, I, I would anticipate him being with the Steelers next year on some, in some capacity, being on the field with the Steelers in some capacity come week one, whether it's a franchise tag or a new contract. Uh, who else is interesting on the Steelers, guys? I, I have I mean, Juju. I think, I I think all the cast of characters are coming back that you'd expect. Yeah, I, I think Juju's interesting going into next season. And um, I, I, mean, I think you know what to expect from, from Bell if he's there. You know what to expect from Brown. Neither of those guys are slowing down, it seems. Is Juju going to be... Um, you know, can can he be great if Martavis Bryant is there? Martavis Bryant had four pretty solid games to end the season, the last three games of the regular season in the playoff game. They were four of his five highest uh, yardage totals of the year. Um, but Juju had a really encouraging rookie season. He was a top 20 wide receiver. I guess just by default, he's kind of the only really interesting one, maybe him and Martavis Bryant for that matter. Maybe. Um, the thing that worries me is, is there enough to go around where – you'll feel comfortable starting Smith-Schuster on a weekly basis when Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are healthy. Right. And just looking at how he did last year with Antonio Brown, there were four games where Juju had double digits in fantasy points and Antonio Brown had at least one fantasy point. Antonio Brown played 14 games, so that means there were 10 games with Smith-Schuster, I believe, maybe nine, where he was single digits, wouldn't have helped you a lot, I'm not sure I'm going to be very comfortable drafting Smith-Schuster where his ADP theoretically will end up. And I'm expecting that to be round five, round six. Yeah, I would say round six is about right, and I think I'm okay with it. Listen, we've got – Martavis Bryant's got to make it through seven months without screwing up. That's a a pretty long odds as well, or saying something that upsets the Steelers. He's also got to make it seven months staying on this team. Right. right. I think he will. There's no way they're getting rid of him. He's so cheap. But unless they're just annoyed by it. Well, the thing that could happen is he could screw up again, and then he might not be part of this team just because he's not even eligible to play in the NFL next year. I also like what they started doing with Vance McDonald toward the end of the year and in the playoffs. Oh yeah. So I, I think that's going to take away from Juju too. Um, whether it's him or another tight end, because it might not be Vance McDonald. They can move on from him and draft a guy, or why would they move on from sign him? a guy? Because he makes a lot of money. They can cut him and. Find somebody cheaper. Yeah, but I don't know why you would trade for him and then cut him. 
They didn't give up that much to get him. He did have a hard time staying on the field last year. He is also due $4.6 million. That's his cap number next year. And Pittsburgh That's can nothing. save all of it if they cut him. Depends on if whether it, it's going to come down to whether or not they like him, whether or not they think he's worth it. All right. Well, I think the Steelers are are good offensively. Maybe there's not that much intrigue. How about the Cincinnati Bengals? Who's interesting on the Bengals? Everyone. You can start with Joe Mixon for sure because you just you, you we all had great expectations for him, and he didn't come through nearly as strong as we thought he'd be. There's going to be a new. Um, I don't know how new we could say it's going to be. Bill Lazor, I don't know how much he's going to change things up now that he's sticking around. But but I think they're going to improve their offensive line, and I think they figured out how to use Mixon a little bit more effectively toward the second half of the season. I asked uh, C.J. Mosley at the Pro Bowl about running backs that he likes in the league and guys he thinks that you know have a chance to take the next step, and that's the first name out of his mouth was Joe Mixon. He said what he showed him as an opponent was very impressive in the two times that they faced each other. So I thought that was interesting that, you know, in a division that has Le'Veon Bell, you know, he was talking about uh, what Joe Mixon's ability could be, especially from a guy who's, you know, uh, one of the better linebackers, certainly in that division and probably in the NFL. Um, they're going to have a new offensive line coach, which I think is big, that uh, the, the run blocking that they have kind of shown the last couple of years has been a little bit sketchy given what their talent is on, on the line. Um I, I think they'll be better offensively as a whole. So uh, I, I think the uh, the upside for Joe Mixon is, is still certainly there, especially with the Jeremy Hill experiment will be gone. It'll just be a matter of how much Giovanni Bernard takes away from him. Is he a round four pick? Oh, yes. Is he yeah. a round three pick? Potentially. Round two pick? No. no. I mean, if if they go out and really improve that offensive line, then I could see where he could possibly sneak up into the end of the second round, but he should be a three or four. All right, how about the uh, Cleveland Browns, guys? Who intrigues you on the Browns? Who is on the Browns? Josh, Josh Gordon. Gordon is on the Browns. Is Who's he? the quarterback of the Browns. That's the biggest thing. Well, I don't think it's going to be Deshaun Kaiser, Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan. Well, Kaiser will be there, but he guys. won't be a starter. I, I think it'll come down to do they get a, do they spend money on Kirk Cousins or Case Keenum or maybe trade for Foles and, and, and they have a bridge quarterback until they have the rookie in place that they're going to – most likely take, you know, it seems as if it's going to be Josh Allen. That's the, the buzz right now, but clearly a lot will change. Um, so if they, if, if they add a veteran quarterback in place, that will certainly help Josh Gordon's upside. It will. And he has, he caught only 18 of 43 targets. He did average 18.6 yards per catch, which is outstanding. Gordon played in five games. He scored eight or more fantasy points in standard scoring leagues in three of the five games. It was very good. The production really wasn't great. I mean, look, he had 115 yards at Pittsburgh in Week 17. That kind of saved it. But it, it just wasn't looking like a great season uh, just in the first four games that he was back. But, look, it's it's a lot to expect, missing that much time. He hadn't played since 2014. In 2013, Josh Gordon was the number two wide receiver in fantasy with 1,646 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, what about Corey Coleman? Is he just done in fantasy? I don't think he's done, but back to Josh Gordon real quick. I, I don't think it even had as much to do. He looked to me like Josh Gordon. I don't think it, like the whole 18 of 43 targets or That's the lack of fantasy him. production. No. He was with playing with a quarterback that completed 45% of his passes and threw half of his passes four yards to running backs. Mm-hmm. He was a very, very, very inaccurate quarterback. I thought so, you were going to say he threw half of his passes 10 feet over his wide receiver. Or to the other team. Out of bounds. Or out of bounds. Yeah. So yeah, I think Gordon and Coleman both 
If you tell me they have a good quarterback next year, Gordon could be a low-end number one. Coleman could be a number three. And then what about Najoku? Could he be a number one tight end at the bottom of that? He could be. Yes, the thing is going to have to happen, though, because even after he had a couple of breakout games, we would see they'd go back, and he was still splitting routes and targets with Seth DeVelf. And they like Seth DeVelf. They're going to run two tight end sets. Okay, well, that's a lot to ask for, you know, having three fantasy-relevant players in the passing game. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say that won't happen. Maybe I, mean, I maybe don't, I don't think it will either. And I, I feel a little bit better about Najoku than I do Coleman because we've seen Coleman – a, he's been inconsistent. B, he can't stay on the field. But Breaks those are his like, hand. Those, those are such fluky but right. they keep happening. So when when does that <laughs> stop? When can I actually look at Corey Coleman and say, okay, I'm going to draft you, well, late stop. round pick, and then I'm going to wait and see. Uh, he's going to be that that mind messer upper because you're going to see him on your bench blow up for 25 points. You're going to start him the following week, and he's going to get you three for four. Couldn't you kind of say the same thing about Will Fuller? Before this year, of course. Well, he, yeah, and then, and then he goes out there right. with Deshaun Watson, and he's outstanding. And then, as soon as Watson goes down, everything falls apart for him, and yeah. nobody likes him anymore. And he sits alone at the lunch table, eating oh. leftovers. He got hurt again, and then he got hurt again. All right, how about the Baltimore Ravens? Who's interesting for you on the Ravens? Alex Collins is the most, or only because they they have to they have to yeah they have to redo that entire receiving core. It's it's the worst in the NFL. Right. I mean, I had, I, had, I mean, obviously, uh, Collins is the most interesting, but I put Macklin because I figured everybody would talk about Collins. I just, is he just done being a good player? I, I mean, 2014 and 2015, this was a really good player. He was a top 10 receiver in 2014, top 20 in 2015, and then the last two seasons, Macklin's played 24 games, 12 each year. He's caught five touchdowns. Uh, he's, he's been really bad. I, I don't know. I refuse to believe he's not a good player anymore. He's two years younger than Mike Wallace, but Mike Wallace had a better year. So I, this was a tough one, the Ravens. It's obviously Alex Collins, but I'm stretching here talking about Macklin. Yeah, no one wants to draft Macklin. He is two years younger by age, but he has had quite a few injuries. Yeah. Even in college, he had some some problems. So, yeah, I don't have any interest in Macklin. Collins is just, do they give him a feature role from week one? They should. They don't, they, not sure they're sold on But him. why haven't they committed? Right. By the way, Macklin is a, a cap casualty to, waiting to happen. They can save five million bucks if they cut him. Mm, okay. And have no receivers. <laughs> well, but they're going to rebuild that whole thing anyway. They have to. I mean, Perryman's been the. They, they were counting on him there. to take a step each of the last two he, years and he went the wrong way. He was horrible. Um, and Macklin and Wallace are older and just not great. Wallace could certainly be a complimentary guy. Now, it was a back injury for Flacco, right, preseason? Yes. And I and that's a really big reason, I think, why they often struggled so much. He missed all of preseason, and he had a new receiver in Jeremy Macklin. Uh, and he Flacco was terrible, but he got better as the year went on. Right. So once he, he got, got over the back issue, he started to play better. That's typically how things go. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Look, we've all watched Alex Collins play. I think we're all impressed with him. Is there anybody yeah. here who's not impressed with how he plays? Irish okay. answer. Yeah. So, so what are we missing? Because there's something about him that the Ravens just—I think they still don't—they still don't trust him to hold onto the ball. When was his last fumble? He, I do not have the date on that. He didn't fumble once he got the feature rule. I really—I don't—I don't, I don't he think he might have, but he I don't didn't remember. Lose him. a fumble. He okay, did uh, have at least. 
He dropped the ball a couple times. Give me a minute and I'll look it up. But I, I'm, he, he, pl- he played very well. I, yeah. I think they still want to see if, if Kenneth Dixon will give them anything. You know, that's something that you heard Harbaugh say after the end of the season. Um, they will involve Danny Woodhead more, I would expect, if he's, you know, healthy for the majority of the year. But okay. they, they have a new personnel guy. You know, Ozzie Newsom's taking a step back. They're, they're, not yet, not yet. That's going to happen in a year. Well, no, he's taking a step back. He's still a part of the team. Next no, year, he, he's part of the team. He's no, the GM he's for the one GM more year. Now. He's giving more control. He's still the, the GM for one more year. Yes, but he's not doing as much as he has been. I mean, that's. I, I didn't, I didn't interpret their change that way. Well, that's what the, they said. No, so, that's not what they, that's said. Not what they he, said. One more that's year, the, he's stepping would, down. Okay. Um, he's still in charge, man. Like, it's his team. And his, he's it's his protege underneath. He's who in charge? Charles in charge? Charles in he's charge. He's Ozzy in charge. I made a very terrible reference. Uh, uh the like last time Alex Collins fumbled was week 16. But it was not a loss. Right. Game. You're, you're right, Heath. He had two fumbles in the last four games of the season. But well, right, he, that might be why. He did not lose them. All right. Uh, let's move on to the NFC North. Green Bay Packers. The Packers of Green Bay. Who's intriguing to you there? Heath. I was trying to find read about Ozzie Newsom so we could settle that debate, but I will focus now and it's all three running backs. Um I the way I look at this situation right now is that it's going to be an ugly mess. And I'm not very excited about it because I think Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones both showed some things this year. Williams showed an ability to run the ball twenty five times without getting hurt. Um, Aaron Jones looked like the best running back on the Packers for a two or three game stretch. And I think everyone still believes that Ty Montgomery is their best pass catching back. So my expectation is that Jones and Williams, assuming they haven't added someone else, are competing for the early down work going into the season and Ty Montgomery is the third down back. Um, that doesn't really excite me. I'm excited about Williams. Me too. Because he can still, he, he showed that he can catch the ball. Yeah, like on top of everything else that he could do, and I know that he didn't have an amazing rushing average, but he had a terrible rushing average. His versatility, yeah, he did, combined with his size, gives him an edge over Jones, who got hurt, and Ty Montgomery, who got hurt, and and I think that he's going to have a leg up on whoever the competition is at running back heading into OTAs and potentially heading into training camp. But I said it earlier, and I'll say it again: I'm not ruling out the Packers wiping all three of these guys out. And drafting somebody that ends up being their best running back. I just that they they've got a lot of maneuvering. That might to be do. one of the dumbest things that they can in, do if they did that. In terms of salary what, drafting cap a running back in round two or three and using yes. that guy instead. They've yes. got three cheap running backs. Yes, and I'm not saying they, they cut them. All. They have you just wipe them out. Extremely expensive wide receivers. Um, they, they've got some salary cap maneuvering to do. Yeah, I, I actually somebody asked me this if uh if and if they would consider if they got rid of Jordy and Cobb, consider putting Montgomery back as kind of that Cobb role, play him in the slot, play him more as a receiver. That actually might make some sense. I can't see them That's just cutting smart. Jordy. Like maybe Cobb. I think I can't that see them I, cutting Jordy. N- no, I agree with you, but I think Cobb's a goner, and I think that makes perfect sense actually. Whoever thought of that? Yeah, actually, I think we have an email asking us exactly that. Um, Could Ty Montgomery go back? Yeah, to this is team? from Fitz yeah. from from a southeastern suburb of Detroit. Hey, Edgar Dorsey, Amon, and Eddie, Packers running backs. The Packers have tried to give Ty Montgomery the starting job. Blah blah blah. Jamal Williams didn't fare much better. Aaron Jones, on the other hand, averaged five point five three yards per carry, albeit in a very limited role. 
Um, with either Cobb and or Jordy possible salary cap uh, casualties, doesn't it make sense to move Montgomery back to wide receiver, possibly to take over the Cobb role, move Aaron Jones to starting running back, and put Williams in as the pass-catching third down back, maybe use a fourth or fifth round pick on a running back in a very deep class. Uh, so I think it's a pretty good email from Fitz from south a southeastern suburb of Detroit. Well done, Fitz. Clearly a Packers fan. It's an interesting thought. I've had Jordy It makes Nelson. me think Montgomery's draftable Sorry. now. I mean, would he be? Like, Randall Cobb hasn't really been worth owning, so why would Montgomery be? I don't know. I well, mean, Cobb hasn't been worth owning because he's been terrible. And hurt. And hurt. Yeah. But, I mean, he's I, – I would hesitate to say he hasn't been worth owning. Uh, he's probably been worth owning, but not typically not worth starting. True. It's tough to really judge him on last year, though, obviously. Uh, I had Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson – Four, he played five games with Aaron Rodgers, really four games with Aaron Rodgers, because Nelson got hurt very early in the Falcons game, didn't record a stat. And he was he was really good. I mean, he was catching he touchdowns. touchdowns. He, he was catching tight touchdowns. <laughs> well, he, look, he had 75 yards in two of those four games, 79, 75 yards. That's not nothing. So, yes, it wasn't what we expect. He didn't, didn't have really the targets that we were expecting. Um, Where'd you guys rank him? 30s. I'm not sure that he made my – Top 48 receivers. He wow. might be in top 60. Wow. I got him at 30. Okay. Let's move on to our next team, which is, who do I got? The Lions? Yeah, we'll just go to the Lions. Yeah, Detroit. Who's the most interesting player for you? Off-season intrigue for the Detroit Lions. Here's what I think is going to happen in Detroit. The, the most interesting player is the guy who's not on their team, and that's their starting running back in 2018. I think they're going to address that position by – either making a splash pick in the draft or acquiring somebody, who knows. But I think that you're going to see the Lions. You want to talk about wiping out a running back group, that could also be one where they get wiped out to the waiver wire, not to the bench. Although, Abdullah, is he a free agent or is he uh, – No. He's no. Only, he only cost him $1.3 million yeah, this he's year. Right. Okay, so he's not going to go anywhere, but I think Riddick is on the chopping block. I think all the other guys are too. And I think if if they have an effective run game, it'll hurt. Stafford, Golden Tate, really it'll hurt Golden Tate because he was an extension of the run game when they couldn't run the ball. It'll hurt Marvin Jones. It'll hurt Eric Ebron. And it'll even hurt Kenny Galladay because now, obviously, you're taking pass attempts off of Matthew Stafford. You're putting carries on the running back. They've already got a good offensive line. Dave, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bring up a counterpoint. Yeah, I don't think Riddick goes anywhere, by the way. He's only 2.7 million next year. Well, I just I'm not sure that it that it hurts them because I I feel like look, Stafford had arguably his best season. He had his highest passer rating, finished as the number six quarterback. It certainly didn't feel like that. I mean, just on a game by game basis, I don't think anybody was like, oh, Matthew Stafford won me my league, especially since one of his best games was Week 17. But um, he you know he played very well, and I think that a good running game would just help the team. You know, I just the, I agree with you. I, I just think you know keep the ball. Move the ball first down. You know what I'm saying? Just keep them on the field. Help the team take a little pressure off the passing game maybe. Perhaps the stats go down. But he didn't really throw the ball that much this year. So um, I, I, I don't I don't know that it would hurt. I don't know that they just become a running team. You know what I mean? Um, so that's my theory. That maybe a good running back would, would help Matthew Stafford because it would just help the offense in general. Um, I, I have another competing theory. The Lions are still going to be bad at running the ball. No matter who they bring in. You know, the the one thing, though, is this offensive line could be one of the better ones in football. Right. If everybody's healthy. And so I I think they could be one of these. I like the fact that they kept 
you know, Jim Bomcooter. I yep. think I think you'll see some continuity there that will will certainly help Stafford. I I think you'll see this could be one of the better receiving cores if Galladay does take the next step and and Ebron continues to play like he played at the end of the season. So th- this team could really be explosive. They finished last season dead last in rushing in the NFL. That's rushing yards per game and 31st in rush attempts per game. 22.7. Mm-hmm. Just for fun, can anybody name the team that finished dead last in rush attempts? Giants. Incorrect. Heath? Um, Browns. Incorrect. Jamie? Cardinals. The Miami Dolphins. 22.5 rush attempts per game. Mm, interesting. And I think the fact that they, you know, this hurts the argument I just made about them having a better offense. Like, they finished seventh in scoring the Lions. Can they really do better than that? Well, they scored a lot of defensive touchdowns too. Also, they had the most rush attempts they've had under Jim Bob Cooter last year. And they were 31st in well, rush attempts. Cooter's been there two years? Two and a half. He was See, that, that, that makes me encouraged because better running backs and a better running game, if they're going to be committed to well, it. Well, they ran it 363 times. It was nine more times than they ran it in 2015. They ran it between 350 and 363 times all three years. So, so get better talent. You'll have a better performance. When one more question. Jim Caldwell preferred two running backs. Is Cooter slash Matt Patricia going to subscribe to that same theory, or do they find a guy to handle most of the work? Well, I mean, if Patricia learned anything from Belichick, they're going to have six running backs. That's true. That could make it bad. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, guys, uh, moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. Who's the intriguing offseason player for the Vikings? Oh, Dalvin Cook's health. And who's playing quarterback? Yeah, those are pretty big ones. Yeah, I'll say Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I mean, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna, go, like, to three different places. I'm gonna like Can Dalvin Cook. I'm gonna like Dalvin Cook no matter who's playing, as long as he's healthy. No matter who's at quarterback. Um, yes, for sure. So, you know, I, I, like, Adam Thielen to me is very intriguing. I just don't know what to make of him. I don't know how good he is. I think he's pretty good. And the quarterback situation will affect him more than it would affect Cook. I, I, I just, I think Diggs is better. We've had this conversation before, but who are you guys ranking ahead, Diggs or, or Thielen? Diggs, Standard, Thielen, PPR. Yeah, that makes sense. I've got I've got Diggs ahead in Standard by one spot. They're I literally back to back. Thielen ahead in both. And where are we talking here? And I've got Thielen ahead by one spot in PPR. They're number twos. Yep. Yeah. All right. I just I feel like there's bus potential with Thielen. A little, I would more, agree. a little more safety with Diggs. I, I I think one thing that they've shown, though, they don't really have to worry about who the quarterback is to a certain extent because they played with so many guys. Yeah, I don't think their quarterback situation is going to be I, – I don't worry about that at all for next year. It won't be worse. Well, I, I, I did bring this up when they got eliminated. It could be if it's Bradford-Bridgewater, if that's the combo. Well, you know, I just – I saw – we saw what losing an offensive coordinator did to the Falcons. Are you worried about that for the Vikings? It, it's possible that it hurts the Vikings. If they keep it in-house, I'll be a little more encouraged. Yeah, the QB coach is one of the candidates. If it's McAdoo, for example. Oh, my God. That could be a disaster. Oh, let's you give mean, him credit. You mean Ben McAdoo? I mean, it's not like they lost <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. What do you mean? Oh, you oh, sure. Shermer had a great year. He was a great offensive coordinator for them. Um, yeah, McAdoo, McAdoo was a good offensive coordinator for the Giants. Eh, he was, wasn't the coordinator. No, when he when he was the coordinator, Eli Manning had two of his best seasons. Oh, for, I'm sorry, for the Giants, yes. For the Giants, yeah. Oh, you mean talking about for the Packers? No. Yeah. Uh, all right, finally, the Chicago Bears. I mean, it's got to be Howard, right? 
I'm I'm curious about their two rookies from this past year and how they develop in their second year with Matt Nagy now running the show. Tariq Cohen's the fastest player he's got on the team. He's got good hands. Does he give him more opportunities to catch passes? Adam Shaheen might not be as fast as Travis Kelsey, but he's a big boy. And I wonder if he's going to be someone who stands out and becomes a staple of this offense. Yeah. Well, the most important rookie is, is clearly Mitch Trubisky and how he develops under Nagy and, and what they do there. Because if he's better, then the whole offense could be better. I, I want to see if Cam Meredith is 100% healthy because he, he had so much potential going into last year. And that's somebody that could easily be a late-round steal that people might forget about. This yeah. is another team that's going to add receivers. I, sure. I am excited about Shaheen. Yeah, I don't mind spending a late pick on him. This is actually a pretty intriguing team. I mean, I know it's impossible to expect them to be what the Rams were this year, worst to first in offense, but, you know, the, the foundation is there for big time improvements. Second year quarterback, new head coach, talent on offense. They'd have to bring in some more talent, but, you know, they could make a jump. I don't think anybody's going to project them to make the Rams level jump, but Bears are pretty interesting. Uh, so. Well, you gotta be excited after seeing an Andy Wright read Disciple. Do what he did this past year. Do we know Absolutely. if Nagy is just as aggressive? Who knows? Find out. Oh man, he's so aggressive, Doug Peterson. It is awesome. It is super fun. I was concerned that he was gonna that like the casual football fan doesn't know Doug Peterson goes for it on fourth time fourth down all the time. And that he was gonna do it in the Super Bowl and he was gonna fail. And people were gonna be like, He's so stupid, how do you do that? And it'd be like, No, that's what he's done all year. Fortunately for him it it worked He's out the only well. only player and coach to beat Bill Belichick. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. He beat him uh, when he was the coach of the Browns, and he was a quarterback, I believe, for the Eagles at the time, or maybe the Dolphins. And he played, and he won, or he or just the team won when he played. No, he played. He played in the game. The team. Yep. Okay. He also beat the Lions coach, the Patriots coach, and the Colts coach all in one game. You know, the thing is, Jamie, like you had a great, you know, great experience. You were in Minnesota. No place you'd rather be to watch the game. But did you watch the Dirty Dancing commercial? Did you see it? I did. They played it in the stadium. And was it like the highlight of the game? Probably was the highlight of the game, right? Uh, well, first when they when the two guys came on the screen, <laughs> you can imagine with a pro Philly crowd, there was yeah. a lot of booing. Um, and, and I guess even the Patriots faithful right. probably not fond of seeing Eli Manning, uh, especially now that they are zero and three in Super Bowls where Eli Manning has appeared in. Um, That's right. Uh, no, yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it was very funny. I've been, I've had the song in my head, uh, pretty much since Sunday. And Have you I, and Allie tried that yet? No, I've never, never seen Dirty Dancing. My, my guess would be is that you'd be jumping into her arm, <laughs> her jumping into your arm. Yep. You know, I did, uh, I did 50 push-ups the other day, cause I decided, like, I know over I'm not Over how gonna, many days? What's that? <laughs> over how many days? Over, over about an hour. Nah, yeah, about an hour. 50 push-ups. I thought that was the best commercial. And also the best musical performance of the night. Oh yeah, people didn't like JT. I didn't really watch halftime. Well, it was kind of the same thing. They danced to pre-recorded music. He danced to pre-recorded music. He didn't sing at all. I think he sang. I, I think there was a little bit of singing, but it was mostly not him singing. Yeah. You I, can't really in that environment. I don't think it depends. I, I think. Oh, see, I remember the Chili Peppers did halftime, and I think they lip sync, lip synced, lip synced. But I think, and they were like, "Yeah, we didn't want to do it, but you, but like, who's going to turn down the Super Bowl?" But a lot of people have sung, like legitimately sung. 
Paul McCartney, U2. I think Lady Gaga sang. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Katy Perry, I'm pretty sure she sang. I think he was singing parts of it. I don't think when he was doing a lot of the dancing, he was singing. Eh, well, whatever. I lost some prop bets. Um, I lost uh, Will Pink show cleavage during the national anthem. I lost that. Wow, what a what a bet! I lo- mm. I did win the under two minutes, and then yeah. I I made a great prop bet. It's actually very thoroughly researched. Um, will the opening kickoff be a touchback? And no, it was actually getting it was like plus one thirty or something. So these were two of the lowest touchback percentage teams in the NFL. So we got that. But the Patriots routinely kick inside the five. I know, I know, that was great. Um, but I also lost. I thought I took that Justin Timberlake's opening song would be anything but filthy, or whatever the hell it's called, and it was filthy. So it's a tough night, tough night for me. I I saw somewhere that there was some online sports book offering what color will Matt Patricia's hoodie be? Not Belichick's, Patricia's. Yeah. <laughs> and it, the odds were still up, even though he was pictured and wearing a red hoodie before the game. Oh wow! It's it free money for anybody who wanted it. Oh. Okay, um, so we've got emails, we got voicemails. You want to call us up? Leave us a voicemail at nine five four six eight nine three one nine 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 five four six eight nine three one nine nine. A couple things on that. It's gonna ring for a bit, and then you're gonna hear my voice, and then you leave your message. Make sure you give us your name and your city. Um, I some of them are just not good enough quality to air, so that could be one of the reasons why I'm not airing them. Please keep that in mind. And Pat from Ohio, one of our best radio show callers, left us a voicemail, but it was about the Super Bowl, and it's outdated. So, Pat, I would have loved to have gotten you on. Call back, 954-689-3199. Email address is fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. I got two voicemails. I got some more emails. Let's get right to it. Uh, Here is... Here is Pete. This is Peter from Raleigh, North Carolina. Last year, the big buzz was about getting one of the top two backs, David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. And with that, you had to pay up for those two. I feel like going into 2018, that top tier got a lot bigger in terms of numbers. We've got Gurley, Bell, David Johnson, Zeke. Everyone, a lot more players are in the mix. What would your strategy be for the first round going into next year for auctions? I'm thinking you don't have to pay as high. And that there'll be a lot more quality talent that you can get for the mid-range prices. Thanks for your thoughts, guys. All right. Interesting question. Does the sort of deeper uh, top-end running back talent make you spend less in an auction on Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, et cetera? I still think there's a difference between Gurley, Bell, and Elliott and the rest. There's, there's, I still have more questions about the guys below them. So there needs to be, um, a differentiation there. But if the difference is $35 and $25 for the second tier of running backs, then yeah, I'd rather have the second tier. And you want to try and maybe get more of those guys as opposed to just one of the top tier guys. So if you want to try and get maybe two second tier guys or three third tier guys, that can make your team a little bit better. Right. Okay, good question. Thank you, Peter, even though I called you Pete. Here's another one. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Clint, the mailman from Sumter, South Carolina. Uh, there's been a lot of projection talk on players going to different teams and players being cut and everything, and getting kind of lost. Uh, you guys can spend a few minutes talking about uh, salary caps and dead cap and what all that nonsense means. That uh, It'll help me and maybe some others follow along more closely. Appreciate it. Love you guys. Later. I actually kept thinking about this voicemail 
Dave, throughout the show, and you just kept talking about guys getting cut, and it would save them this and salary cap that. So, yeah, Clint would like a little bit of clarification on dead money and how the cap works and whatnot. What do you say, guys? A little uh, salary cap 101? So, basically, every team has a certain amount of money uh, that they – it's not necessarily they have to spend. They can't go past that amount, but they have to come – I think it's like 90% of that amount every year to spend on players. And how they divvy up these long contracts is, is based on what they decide to pay a player from year to year to year. For example, if a guy signs a one-year, $1 million contract, well, that's pretty simple. The million dollars is going to be charged to the salary cap that year and is part of that overall number. But if they sign a guy to a five-year, $100 million contract and half of it's guaranteed, well, they've got to figure out how they're going to spread out that $50 million that they're that they're going to guarantee to that player over it doesn't necessarily have to even be five years it could be it could be like the browns who have over a hundred million dollars in cap space they can shove it all into this year that guy counts for all that much the bottom line is that it's kind of a it's kind of a game that they play during the business season about how they manage that cap they can't go over they're not allowed and how they go about um dispersing everybody's salary and Right now, it's not nearly as big of an issue as it used to be because teams got smarter about spending and there's more money to spend. So when, when we talk about guys getting cut for cap reasons, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen because most of the teams have already $20 million plus to spend this year. There's only two teams, I believe, that are um, uh, over the cap as it stands right now, and all they have to do is cut a couple of players. I would recommend going to a site called OverTheCap.com. They have every NFL contract on there, and they'll be able to tell you just how much a player's value is going to be in a given year. It'll also tell you who the free agents are going to be coming up. But did you so explain? It's a good resource for fantasy owners who want to know who might switch teams this year. Did you explain the dead money concept and why players cost money even when they're cut? Because the team still owes them that money. Based on bonuses. Based on guarantees. Yes, based on guarantees and, and like, like a guy can sign a five year, $50 million contract with 25 million guaranteed and a $5 million base salary, right? Yep. And, and then they cut them after one year. And it, right. And, and, and you still like have to pay. Like the Brock Osweiler contract, for example. Right. It, it, it hurt Houston, but what they ended up doing is trading that contract to Cleveland, which had enough space to absorb. Wait, but wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I don't want to go, just for people who don't, don't understand. I, I might not even understand it fully. Guy signs a, this is, okay, kind of how it works. Guy signs a five year, $50 million deal, $25 million guaranteed, right? That's the bonus money. Mm-hmm. So that gives him a five, the, the remaining $25 million is a $5 million base salary for those five years. So any, it's not necessarily evenly it, distributed. It, right. That's one way they could do it. Could okay. be decluded. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, fine. So his base salary, if a guy gets cut, his base salary comes off the books. They don't have to, that doesn't count toward the salary cap. Correct. But, it's not guaranteed. The signing bonus money is prorated for all the years on the deal. So in this case, a $25 million signing bonus on a five-year contract, $5 million a year. That is, gets paid toward the salary cap every year, whether or not the player's on the team. Right? So they yes. cut a guy who got a $25 million bonus on a five-year deal. They're paying him $5 million every year, even if he's they're, – they're, they're losing that in the cap every year. The, the exception is if they decide to take a $25 million cap charge in his first year or 13 in the first year, 12 in the second year, 
and after the second year they cut him. Okay. Then they don't have that cap charge anymore. You can also do the post June cuts, and I'm not going to get into that because I don't know that's 100%, and it's confusing. So uh, I hope that helped. Overthecap.com. I believe the post June first cut they can take one year's remaining mm-hmm. amount and divide it over two years. Yeah, I think you're right. So it's not so bad. All right, this is John from Toledo at FantasyFootball at CBSI.com. Which rookie that did not break out in 2017 is most likely to break out next season? Corey Davis, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, anyone else? Well, I mean, I think Joe Mixon is first. Yeah. But Corey Davis would be my, by far my favorite out of that group. I talked to Marcus Mariota about him for a brief moment on Radio Row, and he said he hopes that what he showed in the playoff game is what they'll get on a weekly basis next year. Now, clearly, two touchdowns is not realistic, but you know, he said that uh, on top of talking about the new offense, new offensive coordinator, that the system will change and help you know him stay, um, help him be a little bit more productive. But he also talked about him being staying healthy. You know, so the fact that Mariota's talking about that clearly shows that the team, I'm sure, is focused on making sure keeping Corey Davis right. Right. Well, Davis had all sorts of hamstring issues, and that's why he's probably said that. There's a bunch of running backs who. Uh, could qualify here. Marlon Mack, uh, Wayne Gallman, Deontay Foreman. Uh, how about, how about B, how about, uh, Brita in San Francisco could potentially end up in a really how good How about the number pick. nine pick in the draft, John Ross? I have no hope for him whatsoever. Though. Marvin Lewis is still there, right? <laughs> they, they, they're but talking about moving him to defensive back. He, that was one of the worst draft picks ever. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Fitz from a, uh, oh, we read Fitz's email. It was about the Packers. Thank you, Fitz. Jackson from Pelham, Alabama has a keeper question. But but to his email, the, the two running backs in Green Bay could both have breakout seasons. How about Mac Collins in Philly? <laughs> yeah, I think with keeping Jeffrey, that probably hurts him. I think they get rid of Torrey Smith. He might. He'd still be third at best, though. All right, so now let's go to Jackson in Pelham, Alabama. Keeper question. Ten-team, three-keeper league. Uh, would like your thoughts on which guys to keep. I have. Jimmy Garoppolo and Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Again, 10 teams can keep three players. LaShawn McCoy, Jordan Howard, and Kareem Hunt. Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, and Allen Robinson. So not the quarterbacks. (laughs) Um, McCoy, Howard, Hunt, Julio, Keenan Allen, and Allen Robinson, and then just, you know, Garoppolo and Deshaun Watson, but I can't imagine you guys are keeping them. Hunt and Julio are the easy ones. Yeah, I think I go Hunt, Julio, and Keenan Allen. That's what I would do too. Okay. Uh, I'm debating. I, I think that's how I would lean as well. I could certainly pay some mind to Howard and to Watson, only because it's a 10-team league, and you'll have one of the best quarterbacks if you keep Watson. You'll have two very good running backs if you keep Howard. I don't think Howard should be in the conversation. You know what? I'm going to go with Watson. I'm going to say you keep the quarterback, you keep Hunt, and you keep Julio. You've got one stud at each position. In a 10-team league, you're keeping In a 10-team league, you you're not drafting Deshaun Watson anywhere close to where you're drafting Keenan Allen. Yeah, no way. I'm keeping him over those guys. Well, I, I don't, I can't support it in PPR, but in standard, I mean, I, I would take Allen, but I could see your point. You're just trying in to a, be elite at every position. In a 10-team league, you're going to get 95% of Deshaun Watson's output in the 14th round. Was that what? 95% of his output? Yes, there's not, there's not 10, there's not enough separation between him and the number 10 quarterback. I think there's a chance that there could be, based on what we saw last year. Now, obviously he's gotta be healthy. That's gotta he be also part flop of the reason. Based on what we saw last year. 
Do you think Keenan Allen's going to be as good as he was last year? Yes. Yeah. He, well, okay. Even if Mike Williams is good? Yeah. I don't I think anybody those two go hand in hand. Yeah. Okay. I think Mike Williams would hurt Henry more. Okay, this is from Ryan. Possible keeper rule changes for the betterment and fun of my leagues. We have a three-year contract on keepers. We're going into the third year of having keepers. If a player gets traded during the third year of the contract, should the contract start over? Or if so, they will be off the market for five to six years total. No. 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 I'm in leagues that do it both ways. So it does certainly add some uh, intrigue to that final third year for players and trade value. But it's personal preference. What do you like since you have experience? I I like that um, starting over the keeper contract. But it also depends on if it's a salary cap league. When you say contract, are you saying you get to keep them for three years or it's a salary cap thing? Because if it's a salary cap thing, then probably not. Okay. Number two item here from Ryan. Uh, we currently keep two players, one from rounds one through three and another from rounds four through 16. I'm afraid that we may have issues in the future with keepers and limiting each team's selections if they don't have good players in the first three rounds. So what's the best way to do keepers? Like, Keep who you want, not limit it to one from a certain group and another from a larger group. And you assign the round. Do you lose a round every year? Like yeah, or or Either you one. lose a round, a round or two higher than where you got them the year prior. Right. Yeah. I, I every like year you get to keep one more player until you're finally just playing a dynasty league. <laughs> I think you you attach draft pick compensation to it, and then you do have to sort of increase it every year because you don't want somebody who took. Oh man, what would, what would a good Alvin Kamara to be able to keep him for a twelfth round pick or wherever the heck he went? I just yeah I I understand what you're saying. Also, like the guy took Alvin Kamara in the twelfth round and was right. I, right, Shouldn't I don't he get mind to enjoy that. that. Yeah, you shouldn't penalize that person. Uh, no, it's not penalizing him. It's just next year it's a tenth round pick, then it's an eighth, right. then it's that's, a sixth. That's how it is in my keeper. League. I mean, that's and how it's perfect. been with with Beckham. That's where Beckham was. How he ended up. Yeah, that's fine. I just I don't think he should be a twelfth round pick for his entire career. No, you move it up two rounds each year. Yeah, that's. By the way, the Colts made it official. They announced Josh McDaniels as their coach. All right, last email, Keenan from Los Angeles. Is there a scenario where the Browns acquire Nick Foles? Sure. Is it realistic? I think if the Eagles feel comfortable with where Carson Wentz is, then they're going to try and chop him. They have him under contract for one more year at a seven million dollar price tag, so he's cheap. Well, I the Eagles are one of the two teams that are over the cap. As we sit here today, it's not by much. The, I, I think the only way they get rid of Foles is if they're A, under too much stress from the cap, or B, Carson Wentz is just way ahead of where he is from this knee injury, that they're certain that he's going to be ready for the start of training camp. And then they can bring in another quarterback to have ready instead of Foles, and then they can get a good pick for Foles. The other problem I have is that what type of draft pick do they get for Nick Foles in trade? Uh, well, I think they probably take a second. I think obviously they would get more for Carson Wentz than they would Nick Foles, like clearly. So shouldn't they just trade Carson Wentz, Heath? That makes sense to me. You could probably get a couple firsts. <laughs> yeah, I think you could. He's got right. If you're, if you're Cleveland, first. would you offer one and the one and four for him? Yes, yes, absolutely. And I would take the one and four for him. I would absolutely quickly. I wouldn't. I would keep my franchise quarterback. You already have one, Nick Foles. Yeah, and no. you could always draft another one. Or oh, you, you, you don't know that he's going to be. the top five. You don't know that he's going to be. Carson Wentz. You don't know. I'd keep him. All right. That's a fun topic to end the show on. Talk amongst yourselves. I think we're going to do a live draft on our next show. So I want to thank everybody for, for listening, for calling, for emailing, and we'll talk to you later in the week.